Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and on this week's episode we're going to be talking about the 2022 film Crimes of the Future, directed by David Cronenberg and starring Viggo Mortensen, Leia Seydoux, Kristen Stewart, and Scott Speedman. In this film, a pair of performance artists who perform live surgeries on stage navigate the body horror art community. For those of you who are new to the show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion up front. We'll take a quick break where you'll hear some music, and then we will dive into the plot, our review, and we'll hit some spoilers along the way. Brian, I thought to kick things off here, we should begin by talking about what someone on our Discord called your Cronin bro- your your Cronin boner. Sorry, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Cronin boner. I think has become kind of a a term that symbolizes the Saturday. I think it's Saturday morning or Sunday morning sessions that a lot of the guys have on the Discord where they watch a Cronenberg movie together. And they're always surprised by how horny he makes his movies, even when they're pretty disgusting at the same time. Yeah, there is a theme there, right? Of like body horror and the connection to sexuality in a lot of his films. Yeah, I mean, a lot of his movies are pretty sexual. Yeah, right, right. Um, I was surprised to see he was the director behind Crash, which was a pretty sexual movie, but I don't think that was body horror, was it? There are two movies titled Crash, the one about racism is not David Cronenberg's movie. Oh, uh, I was talking about the one with the car crash, maybe. Okay, okay, you saw that one. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that. I remember like being super like sexualized, but didn't have like the normal body horror elements I would have assumed that a Cronenberg film would have. Yeah, he kind of dropped out of the body horror genre for a while, so a lot of people are saying this is kind of his return to form. I think as exi- Oh, man, I can never remember how to pronounce the movie. Existence. Uh, I think it was 1999. I took really bad notes for this episode. Uh, was his last body horror movie. Oh, and the okay. rest have become more kind of dramas, but with a Cronenbergian feel yeah. to them. Got it. Okay. So those are his two things, body horror and a lot of sexual uh, activity happening. Um, and then, yeah, for the last 20-some years, it hasn't been body horror until now. Yeah, I'd say body horror, the psychology of sexuality, and the mind-body connection, common themes. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think this is kind of a culmination of a lot of his work, especially his pre-2000s horror, body horror work. Yeah, I think I saw one reviewer call it, like, this is kind of his, like, best of clips or something where he's paying tribute to, like, his whole legacy and, like, elements of it. So many things in this movie are elements that exist in some of his other films. Yes, I agree. Oh, man. Do you think then this falls into like this bucket of movies that are just like playing to the fandom uh, that have been coming out like the last few years? No, because I think that he's been so consistent with the ideas that he's playing with without necessarily being repetitive that it's not necessarily an homage yeah. to previous films. It's not fan service. There are no Easter eggs. It's just a natural evolution of his work it's just natural for him to go here he also wrote this movie nearer to the year 2000 so he wrote it about 20 years ago when his mind was still going to that body horror place 
frequently oh, yeah. for his films. So yep. I don't think it's any sort of callback or anything like that. Okay, in sure. a, the shallow sense, I just think that's the type of movie he makes. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good point that he wrote it when he was in his uh, prime back then. Um, yeah, I was really surprised to see that this one had been sh- sitting on the shelves for like 20 years or so, uh, but I couldn't find too many details about it. It sounds like maybe um, it just like didn't get greenlit or it, maybe he lost interest of, in it back in like 2003 and then suddenly revived it recently. Yeah, I can't remember why it fell apart. I'm pretty sure Nick Cage was going to star in it originally, right. and it was... A bit of a different plot to his original script and a producer whose name I can't remember urged him recently to kind of pick it back up and sure then I think he started to become intrigued by some of the ideas and reformed it and shaped it and now it became what it is he also strangely titled the film and I meant to do more research on this he titled it crimes of the future which is the name of a 1970 film that he released the yeah. plot is completely unrelated yeah, isn't that crazy? Very crazy. Uh, Strange choice. I know, I know. And I think it gave the impression to a lot of people that this was going to be like a remake or something, but completely different. Uh, yeah, I've never seen like a director do that, like two films with the same name, no connection to each other. Wild. Pretty wild. He's now 79 years old, man. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's great that he's still active. I think this is his first film in like eight years, maybe. It is, and his first feature-length film was over 50 years ago. Wow. What? Really? Still going, yeah. His are oh, old, man. 1970 was 50 years ago. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and I, I didn't do the math on that. That's crazy. Yeah, what, yeah. what a history. And uh, now, like, his son is also rising to fame as a director. Um, he did. What was that movie that we saw? Oh, Possessor. Possessor, right. That was his son, wasn't it? That was his son, Brandon Cronenberg. And he has a daughter, Caitlin Cronenberg, who is directing films as well. I'm not sure if they're short films or feature-length films or what, but I know that she's a, she's primarily a photographer, I believe, but she's also dabbled in filmmaking. Okay. Pretty cool. Cool family uh, and Canadians, which, which is always neat. Um, yeah, and he's got a sister, Denise, who's a costume designer in films, and this oh, is the yeah. first film of his in 35 years on which she did not design the costumes. Mm. as she passed away in 2020. Oh, okay. That makes sense. But yeah, like you said, a talented family. Yeah. Um, and speaking about his filmography and his legacy, I feel like, I don't know if you've said it on the show, but in talking to you, he's one of your favorite directors for horror. Is that right? I think he might, his body of work might have some of my, it's not that he's got any movies that really hit it out of the park for me, but... He's just consistent, and I like most of his movies, whether they're like threes on the low end or fours, four and a halfs on the high. They're just, I dig it. I dig what he's going for. Some of my favorites from him have been The Brood, Shivers, The Fly, and A History of Violence. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I got to tackle more. I'm not as familiar with some of his post-2000 stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've only seen like three or four of his films. Uh, I feel like Scanners is another big one as well that people talk about but yeah yeah scanners is big i'm not as wild about that one he also did the dead zone which was a stephen king film Mm. okay i I like that one a lot even though it's not very cronenbergian oh okay okay interesting 
Yeah, I'd, I'd be down to check out more of his work. Uh, I struggle to put him. He's definitely got his, a really unique style and tells like really inventive and original stories. Uh, but I, I think his focus, at least in the few films that I've seen uh, on body horror, that's just not something that generally appeals to me. Is that I, I didn't think that was something that like you were too into. But are you finding that you're on board with it? I'm on board with it the way he does it. Yeah, and I mean the way he does it is like the way it's done. He's basically the grandfather of that <laughs> subgenre. Yeah, I was trying to think of other examples that we've seen recently on body horror. I, I got to think like Raw and Titan kind of fall into a little bit of that. Yes, they do, for sure. Um, what about like Teeth, body horror? Yeah, Teeth is body horror. And then what do Slither. You Slither, right. Oh, Human Centipede? Sure, I would imagine so, even though I've never seen that movie. Okay. Um, but body horror is different than like new French extremity, um, in that like that is just more kind of what like gross out more realistic, whereas body horror, do you think there's like a, a fan a fantasy kind of element around it? I think there often tends to be boy, I wanna say in the brood episode we probably broke down the definition of body horror or a definition of body horror. Okay. But I think it's essentially focusing on the either mutation or degradation of the body. It's not just you're watching somebody violently get killed by having their body destroyed. Mm. It's more that the main character is going through something with their body that you can then empathize with. Well, more maybe sympathize with, but you get, it's kind of like you get in their head as they're going through yeah. A transformation or mutation or collapse of some bodily function. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. the fly is a perfect example. Yeah. The fly, uh, definitely saw that in like the brood as well. Um, where, yeah, it's almost like the plot is, uh, driven from like someone having some kind of mutation or something. Yeah. And I think where your mind wants to go is to take torture, porny, yeah. new French extremity, something like martyrs, and put that in the body horror bucket. Yeah, exactly. Which, maybe there's a bit of a Venn diagram there. I don't think of that as body horror, but it is so visceral that it does kind of put you in a main character's shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is the intersection. Yeah. Uh, the, word, yeah. the word gross is just like in the middle. <laughs> and then on one side <laughs> is body horror, the other is torture porn. But no, I, I think hearing your explanation of it and kind of talking it through, uh, yeah, it is a much different approach to like where that grossness uh, and its in like involvement in the plot. Is it just like a outcome of what's happening or is it driving like the main storyline? Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, and I'd say Martyrs is a prime example of a movie who comes closest to body horror. Oh, yeah. If none of that is body horror, then then Martyrs is probably right there on the threshold. Right, right. That makes sense. Uh, well, cool. Um, so, yeah, body horror has its uh, its benefits, its goods and bads, and, and this guy's obviously one of the bigger ones there. Um, in terms of box office here, it seems like they didn't really promote this that much, and so it's had like a very minimal box office of like three point one million. Um, I don't know if it was just they thought no one would go out to see this, which the it seemed like a very limited theater run. But any any ideas on why they didn't promote this too heavily? I would like to get more information on that. I'm guessing they just thought the subject matter and the content was so extreme and off the wall Mm. that this wouldn't get 
big crowd. So why spend the money on marketing it? So yeah, yeah it was a limited release. I want to say it was close to a wide release. I, it was like 700 some theaters between Canada and the US. And I think to be a wide release, it has to have 600 theaters in the US. I'm not oh, sure okay. how many were in the US, but must have been just under 600. So yeah. Yeah, and it, it finished 10th at the box office on its opening weekend. So, yeah, not a great showing, but I don't think they were really expecting a great showing. Yeah, and you know that, that's something I think that uh, we should circle back on at the end because I, I think part of that has to do with the genre. Like, you're right, body horror maybe doesn't have a huge appeal. But I, I saw this branded in, like, so many ways, like sci-fi, thriller, uh, some, like, other horror elements and stuff. So I wonder if, like, yeah, they were struggling to figure out, like, what type of genre, genre to, like, promote for this one. Yeah, and actually I listened to Cronenberg being interviewed and he was asked if he thought about genre and genre conventions when he was writing. And he said he never did while writing. It's just something on the back end you think about more as how to market something. So yeah. I think body horror and sci-fi are definitely dead on for this movie. Okay, cool. Uh, great. And then um, the obviously like a pretty big cast here. You got Viggo Mortensen, uh, who... Yeah, I don't think we've seen him in any horror films that we've reviewed, have we? I don't think we've watched Vigo in anything that we've discussed, but he's a favorite of uh, Cronenberg's. He started mm-hmm. in a history of violence, Eastern Promises, and a dangerous method as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've collaborated a few times. Hey, what is it called when you die and your body uh, hardens up? Rigor mortis? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think about that every time you hear his name? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, like, that's a little unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. that's I, I always get his name confused with uh, that uh, happening. So, uh, yeah, surprise is the first time we're seeing a horror film of his. Um, <laughs> pro- probably coincidental. Oh, man, but uh, a week or two ago. So, yeah, I don't know, uh, Leo uh, Seydoux. Uh, that's how you say it, right? Yes. Um, but two weeks ago, I was randomly bored at work, and I threw on uh, one of the Mission Impossibles, where they are, I, I think you and I had talked about Mission Impossible recently, and it's the one where they're in like one of those big towers in like Saudi Arabia, and uh, this like French woman shows up, and I was like, "Whoa, who is that?" And, and it was her. Have you have you seen her in a lot of films? Um, only a couple recently. I think she was in one of the recent Bond films, and then I saw her in the latest um, Wes Anderson movie. Oh, the French Dispatch is in there. Yes, yeah, oh. she's in that. Cool. Yeah, wow, what a, what a great actress, great presence. Yeah, it feels like she's kind of a uh, star on the rise here. Yeah, right. Uh, Kristen Stewart, uh, exciting to see her on stage. Um, uh, we saw her in like Underwater, I think, right? Yep, I think that's probably the only time we've talked about her on the show until exactly. we do Twilight. I know. I was wondering when we're going to hit that on the Patreon. It seems like we probably should at some point. Yeah, I think one episode on all, there were three of them, right? You want to cover the whole trilogy in one episode? I think we should, yeah. All right. Um, that'd be torture. And then Scott Speedman, we saw him in Strangers. Um, he's can- I think he's like the only Canadian person in that top cast He's there, the right? only prominent Canadian in this cast. Yeah, right. But, um, yeah, great. He, he's a, he gets, uh, I feel like he's got a big reputation. I don't know why. Do you? I think Canada treasures him. I know the most prominent Canadian on our Discord server, Big Turkey, is a really big fan of Scott Speedman. And like from what? From the Strangers? Or like what? Was he an X-Men too at some point? Just from Canada. Oh, okay. Just from being from Canada. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not too familiar with his career, so I don't yeah. know. Okay. I'm sure Big Turkey let us know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I saw his name brought up a lot, and uh, yeah, exciting to finally see him on screen. Uh, well, cool. Anything else you want to talk about or mention before we dive into the plot? Uh, I don't think we mentioned the reviews, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes critic scores is 79%, and user scores 48%. Oh, a yeah. A big and not necessarily surprising gap there. Yep. Kind of similar to uh, Men, right? I feel like Men was kind of around that same range. I think so, yeah. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, this was another beautiful score by Howard Shore, who's collaborated with Cronenberg many times. I think this is the 18th collaboration between the two of them. Damn, yeah. And we sung Howard Shore's praises in recent episodes on The Brood and Silence of the Lambs. Shore won three Academy Awards for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Wow. That's and awesome. man, that's a, actually a big part of some of uh, my love for Cronenberg movies. Is his scores are always pretty banging. They are, man. They really elevate the movies uh, so much, and they're they're so like aligned with like what you're seeing happening. Really Agreed. works complements well. Agreed. Uh, let's see. This movie, Crimes of the Future, was nominated for the Palme d'Or at Cannes, and has been five of his other films have been nominated for that award as well it got a six minute standing ovation that's how you pronounce it right con yeah. uh con yeah film Cannes festival? Film festival? yeah i think so it's not can trying right? to sound sophisticated here i always want to say can but i think it's con yeah it's one of those yeah um i think that's about all i got uh aside from the fact that natalie portman was originally cast i couldn't quite follow the thread of who she was cast as i want to say as timlin but yeah um it didn't work out for some reason i think it was because of covid complications yeah yeah i think i read something about that yeah um uh i got the ohio connection should we move to that uh yeah yeah hey oh one last thing uh on the standing ovation i also read somewhere i don't know if you saw this but people were walking out of the theater uh, did you oh, anything about yes, that? Yes, we should talk about the walkouts. I think that is true. I think it did happen. And I think it was a certain scene um, with Leia Seydoux performing a certain brand of sex act on. Oh, I don't want to spoil that, it. That was on the Vigo. scene. <laughs> I think so. Oh, okay, okay. Wow. I thought that's the scene people would have been walking in for. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit on that one. I, I totally thought it was a, another part of the film, but uh, all right. You want to jump to that? Yeah, we'll we have... can talk more about that too. I mean, I think that yeah. its rep- reputation almost preceded it too much, and at least one other person on our Discord server said the same, that they were expecting something truly intense and graphic based mm-hmm. on some of his other work and that reputation about the walkouts. And really, it's a Cronenberg movie. I mean, it yeah. has its gross moments, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, walk out worthy. I don't think so. Yeah, I know that that's kind of surprising. So um, cool. Yeah, you got our Ohio connection then. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, our Ohio connection comes from our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. So if you're in the area, go check out their drinks and food. Both delicious. It's summertime. They've got a great patio. Alex connects every movie to our home state of Ohio for us, and Alex says, Crimes of the Future is a body horror film written and directed by David Cronenberg, starring Viggo Mortensen, Leia Seydoux, and Kristen Stewart. 
This film marks the fourth collaboration between Mortensen and Cronenberg following critical acclaim in the films A History of Violence, Eastern Promises, and A Dangerous Method. A History of Violence is an adaptation of the 1997 graphic novel of the same title about the owner of a small-town diner who is thrust into the spotlight after confronting two robbers in self-defense. Although the film is set in a small Indiana town, it was partially shot in rural Ohio. Wow, that's awesome. Nice. I would like to watch that movie again. I really need to finish up Cronenberg's filmography. Yeah, I feel like I've heard of that movie. I've, I've never seen it. It's um, it's not like... It's kind of wild. Is it? It's, yeah. It's not like a scary film and there's no like body horror. What is it, like more of a drama? It's kind of a f- offbeat family drama. It's got a strange tone, some strange acting choices. Its conclusion is very action-packed and violent. Ah, okay. Um, and I think its name got a little more catapulted into recognition because it had a supporting actor nomination for the uh, at the Oscars. Oh man, what's the guy's name? I want to say Ed Hurt. Is that um, an actor's name? William Hurt. William oh, Hurt. Oh, William Hurt. Hmm. Yeah, he had a supporting role that which he was nominated for. I think okay. that's off my memory. So sorry if I'm getting that wrong. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. It sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. All right. Awesome. Well, yeah, are you ready to jump into the plot then? Uh, spoil the film and get into our review? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hey, before we do, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I, I wanted to walk outside really quick and talk to the neighbor's kid across the street. <laughs> okay, go for it. All right, call right back. <laughs> Hey, Brian, I'm back. Sorry about that. How did everything go with the neighbor's kid? Oh, uh, it was good. You know, I told him I'd bring him by some candy, and uh, I took some Jolly Ranches over for him. Uh, but I noticed uh, on one of them, he tried peeling it, but the plastic stuck to it, and he ate it. So I think I'm going to have to swing by later with a pillow and take care of something. <laughs> yeah, you can't have that. <laughs> you can't have kids just eating plastic. <laughs> Hell no. Yeah. Get rid of him. Exactly. Take him out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, while somebody else suffocates you with a pillow because we can't have kids just being fed candy on the street in the <laughs> middle know. of the night. That's true. A lot of bodies are going to be piling up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Who suffocates the suffocator? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, so this movie opens with this kid who's playing on a beach and his mother warns him from a distance not to eat anything that he finds. It seems innocent enough until we see him later that evening eating the plastic trash can under the bathroom sink as the mother watches in on disgust or watches on in disgust. Uh, that night when he goes to bed, the mother surprises him by suffocating him with the pillow and then calls and leaves a message for the child's father to come gather his dead son. What did you think of this opening? Pretty intense, uh, and it was all pretty up in the air at this point. I didn't know what this movie was about at all. I tried not to look into it, so I was puzzled, but confident I would eventually find out what that was all about. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. They, re- they really kind of jump into body horror a little bit right away, right? Because you see like the white foam coming out of his mouth. Yes, it's a very foamy meal that he's eating, and yep. the sound design 
in this scene and throughout the movie on just people munching on various things, mm-hmm. body parts, organs. It's all very gross. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. That hits Not you right away. Not walk out gross, but gross. Yeah. And it, it hits you right away. Um, you got like child abuse. What did you think of the setting? Because I can't, I'm trying to remember what it was, but when you see him eating something in the water, is there like a sunken ship in the background or something? There is a ship that seems to be kind of grounded, uh, yeah, yeah, sunken in shallow water and abandoned. Okay, got it. And I think I, I have a theory on why that is, but I think it'll make more sense to talk about that later. Okay, got it. But yeah, I, I feel like this opening kind of paints the sense of like a somewhat of like a post-apocalyptic kind of civilization or something, and uh, obviously yes. like, and even like they, where they're living, I didn't see like a lot of electricity and stuff, so it seemed like kind of either impoverished or um just very low tech or something so kind of kind of yeah it paints an interesting picture of the time and place that you kind of have to piece together as you go exactly yeah um yeah and i'll i have another theory on the impoverished stuff too okay cool excited to hear that so we then meet our main characters who are saul and caprice played by vigo and leia these two are a pair of performing artists we see that Saul uses this bed that has tentacles on it, and it basically kind of nourishes and moves his body at night. It's kind of a biotech thing. And then he also eats from this kind of spine uh, bio chair that juggles him while he eats, and it looks like it's a, a big challenge for him to eat, and he's always kind of in pain. And we learn that he has this ability where he is, his body just produces random organs inside his body. And part of their live performance involves Caprice doing these surgeries on him and pulling these organs out of his body in front of a live audience that she uh, tattoos. I think she tattoos them while they're in his body and then they pop out with a tattoo on them. Is that right? I think that's what's happening. I was a little bit unclear on the tattooing process. Yeah, me too. I wish we learned more about that. Um, but yeah, I think she tattoos them while inside and then pops them out. And that's that's the show. Cool. Let's yeah. Cool premise. And then we learn that also in this future, humans have evolved and no longer feel pain anymore and infections no longer exist. I you know, I didn't understand this because he looks like he's in a lot of pain throughout this film. Um, but then yeah, you see people just kinda cutting each other up for fun. So was he was different than everyone else? Is that the impression you had? Yeah, I think that humans had mostly evolved to no longer feel pain or get infections, but there were few people who still could feel pain and, and get sick. And he's one and of I those... think that's partially why he's always kind of covered up and has a face mask on and stuff. Oh, makes sense. Oh, almost like a... That makes sense for like the mask and stuff, like almost like pandemic times where he's just... It's almost kind of pandemic commentary. I'm not sure if that was intentional or not. Yeah, okay. But he kind of is framed as a weak and frail... Right. Person who has to be careful. Yeah, coughing throughout the movie. Right. Um, Yeah, interesting. Okay. So the two of them visit the National Organ Registry, which is staffed by these two kind of quirky government workers and really like in this rundown office. It's kind of a funny setting. Um, They use some kind of device to go inside of Saul's body and see the organs that he's growing. They're really fascinated by him. And you've got Kristen Stewart there who's like, really obsessed and like taken by Saul and impressed by him, uh, which I, I don't know, I kind of thought she was a, a pretty, gave her like kind of comical performance and like her delivery and how she was like reacting to like what she was seeing. Uh, were, were you into like these two and in, in this setup? 
It was very strange and so off-putting. I think I was into it. I couldn't tell if I 100% was on board with what Kristen Stewart did with this role. It's very mousy and raspy and kind of herky-jerky speech. Like, <laughs> yeah, very odd. <laughs> yeah, like did someone's you, like. Were you on board or were you puzzled? Uh, I thought or it was hilarious. I, I thought it was hilarious. I, I thought it was kind of like a, a breath of fresh air in terms of like everything you've been seeing so far is pretty dark and serious. And here's like this crazy, quirky character who's just like so like bizarre and odd that uh, it was kind of a, a nice like juxtaposition to everything else we were seeing. Sure. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I hear you. Like she would like talk really loud and then like go like whisper and like it was almost like she was scared of herself a little bit. It was, it was kind of funny. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, so after this visit, we finally get to see a live performance. Um, Saul is on this apparatus that Caprice has this controller that she can use to basically do an autopsy on him while he's awake and pull out an organ and the crowd is just mesmerized watching this happen on uh, in front of them, kind of almost like an operating room. And it's obviously, uh, the performance is really enhanced and I feel like uh, Leia gives like a really great performance here and like looking really, I think going back to like what we were saying earlier about like the sexuality tied to a lot of Cronenberg's work, we see that come out in this scene where it's almost like she's like orgasming while watching like this uh, surgery go place or something. She's like a very like sensual surgery that happens. What, what did you think of this performance in this scene? Yeah, and Vigo seems to experience pleasure from the surgery as well. Right, right, exactly. Everyone's like really into it, supercharged. Yes, it's very Cronenbergian. It's very confusing a little bit. I don't know if I could always tie the thread of. Like, later on, someone says surgery is the new sex. I think mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart's character says that to Vigo's character. And right. I just wasn't totally tying that line through. Like, I don't know if I got it. Yeah, that's one thing I struggle with, too, because we know uh, most people don't feel pain. So if you don't feel pain, then a surgery for most people wouldn't feel, uh, like, painful. So... How, what, what, yeah, I guess I don't get like what you would feel during surgery, then that would make it like the new sex. Yeah, I mean, if people just become, I guess the lack of pain makes you desensitized, literally. So if people also become desensitized to pleasure, or is the act itself of sex not quite as thrilling and exciting, and you don't feel quite as intimate with someone as you did before, and you need the surgery to gain that intimacy? Yeah. They don't say much about how pleasure is felt in this new evolved society. So mm-hmm. I don't think of pain when I think of sex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know some people tie those together, but yep. like I don't understand why the loss of pain means sex has lost its luster. I think there's a lot to be read into there between the connection of sex and pain and the connection of pain and pleasure, but mm. I couldn't quite tie that together in my mind. Yeah, me neither. I, it's interesting because right before they do this, I think you see a couple on the street and the guy's like kind of cutting the girl and she's like uh, really into it. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. I, I feel like that, that's they put that thought out there, but they didn't really explain it and like how, how it's the new sex. Um, but I feel like that was and like... I, a, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, no. I, I think that line was kind of like a big tagline for the movie that's using new sex, but yeah. For sure. And I think it's interesting, too. Like, if imagine for a moment if someone was sticking a knife into your leg, like we see that guy doing to a woman in the alley. Mm-hmm. 
and moving it around. If there was no pain, how would that feel? Yeah. Would it right. just feel interesting and new? And if someone was cutting into your body and moving organs around, but you didn't feel pain, is that the same? Like, Maybe. would there be some sort of pleasure centers that were activated or would it just feel unique? <laughs> and, and would that uniqueness be a thrill? I, yeah. I guess I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to piece it together. In my yeah. Mind. There must be some sensation there, right? That, that we're not aware of that. Sure. It's like the new exciting Yeah, behind thing. the pain, there's got to be other sensations. Right, right. Okay, yeah. Then maybe, maybe we just explained it to ourselves. I think we just both had an <laughs> orgasm. Yeah, I think so. That's what that was. <laughs> uh, I thought it was really cool here, though, as like an audience member watching this film. I, I feel like 99% of people watching this aren't like getting off on uh, live surgeries and like don't find them really arousing. But the, what works really well here is like this scene and this performance and the atmosphere um, and seeing the way like it's conducted by these actors, uh, it, it kind of like makes you feel like you're missing out on something, right? Like, Yeah, man. If you want me to try this on you, just let, <laughs> let me know. Yeah. I, I, it piques my curiosity. I mean, maybe next time we hang out, we should bring some sharp objects. I mean, yeah, I was, we can start yeah. off slow. I'll just like clip your toenails or something. All right, it's something gentle, a haircut or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll whisper in your ear. Clipping yeah. is the new sex. <laughs> oh man, that's how every haircut should end. The barber just whispering that new year. Oh god. Okay. Uh, so after this, we dive. I think the plot from here kind of goes deeper into the lives, the lives of uh, Saul and Caprice as artists, and, and like kind of what they're going through. So uh, I think Caprice is kind of uh, a person who's coming into you know taking on more of ownership of her role on the stage and like wanting to become more involved in the community and like push the boundaries more. So it's cool to see that angle. Saul, on the other hand, uh, he is like, well, he's like an undercover. Uh, uh, He's an undercover informant for this police department, which is trying to control the human evolution and make sure that people aren't mutating outside of like the norms or that um, things aren't going on that they aren't aware of. So he's informing the police on the side, but uh, and he's also going to other live shows and building contacts in the industry. Uh, and then he's also signing up for like beauty pageants where someone puts a zipper, or, like installs a zipper on his stomach that can be opened and Caprice gets really excited about this and gives him a belly blowjob is probably the best thing to call it. I, I don't know. Do you have another term for this? Yeah, I mean, I'm tempted to call it belly belly, belly oral sex. I, I would okay. think it more would compare to oral sex you'd perform on a woman. Oh, oh, sure, with sure. With the zipper and, and the opening there. I guess, yeah, since I don't have any parts sticking yeah. out. And okay. he says, careful not to spill when she's doing this. <laughs> yeah, that was well. I, can, I guess I can see some walkouts oh. with the sound and the scene and that line. Yeah. Uh, not a walkout, but I mean, it's 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 a lot. Yeah, but I, I don't know if like, did you feel like they showed a lot? Like it, did it, it didn't no, look... No, they, they cut away. They leave a lot to the imagination there. Yeah, right, right. Which I thought was clever because if you're just like seeing what they're showing on screen, it just looks like she's going down on him, right? But right. uh, you kind of know, yeah, he's got the zipper and she's just, what is she doing? Licking his insides? I imagine she's just licking his insides. Nice. That probably tickles. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, did you understand the whole angle of the police? Is it to, and, and like why Saul is working with them? I was a little bit confused about the 
various character motivations and who was working for who in the movie. I'd like to watch this again with a better understanding of it after the fact. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like some of it is just unexplained. Uh, the other two characters we haven't talked about are supposed technicians who work on these devices that are doing these surgeries, and they've kind of been popping in and out and are fascinated with Saul and uh, Caprice. And um, But they, they're kind of up to no good as well. So, yes. Uh, yeah, you had some characters here on the side between those guys, the detective and the national, the two working for the national organization of, or the National Registry of Organs, uh, kind of, kind of a eclectic group of people. Um, and yeah, you didn't really understand where they all are coming from, I feel like. Uh, did you have that same impression? I've That's how I felt. I'm sure there were some more savvy viewers who are keeping up with what was going on here and the dynamics between all these different groups and the varying, varying motivations, but I was a little bit lost. Okay, yeah, same. So uh, that brings us to our final character. So uh, one time after a show, Saul gets approached by a man who we find out is the father of the kid who died in the beginning. And this father has kept his son's body and he wants Saul to use his son as part of his next performance and do a live autopsy in front of an audience. Uh, It turns out the father is part of this group of people who now eat plastic and they manufacture these plastic bars that they've begun to eat. And um, I think what they're trying to do is show that the human body has evolved and is capable of digesting plastic and the government is trying to suppress them. And so they think this performance will give them the audience and the platform to show that um, this is real and it can be happened or it can be done. Saul and Caprice, they're hesitant to do this, but eventually they go through with this live show uh, because I think Saul becomes sympathetic to this cause. And when they do this show, and this is where I thought people might have walked out, is because you're seeing a 12-year-old's body naked on stage, like being cut open. Um, Sure, right? Yeah. You would think that would be the more shocking part. Right, yeah, exactly. But uh, they cut open his, his stomach and they find that his inner organs have been tattooed Meaning that um, this like this whole thing wasn't a natural evolution of a young child now having the ability to eat plastic. It obviously shows that someone has gone into his body and done some work. And so it reduces the legitimacy of the whole cause and that whole group who are making plastic. Um, they're kind of defeated here. So the father sits outside and cries and is killed by those two technicians who we mentioned uh, a few minutes ago who work on those life support machines. They come up to him and put uh, screwdrivers in his head. Did you understand why they did that or why they were going around killing people? I didn't at first, but I think I've pieced it together Oh, okay. in hindsight. Or at least I have my own version of why. Okay, cool. Uh, should we wrap it up and then you want to get into that? Yeah, let's wrap it up and then I'll talk about what I think is happening in this movie. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Which yeah. may be wrong. Oh, well, so yeah, the movie ends with Saul. We've we, Throughout the film, we've been seeing him cough. He looks sick, and he's struggling to eat and sleep. Uh, but while he's struggling to eat normal food, he asks Caprice to give him one of the plastic bars that this uh, cult or that, that uh, rebellion group was making. And the scene cuts to black and white as we see him chew one and finally be at peace. And then the movie ends. Um, so yeah, what, what do you think that ending mean, meant and what happened? Uh, why were these people killing people? Yeah. So I think what's going on here is there is this group of people 
this like cults or underground group or, or whatever movement perhaps are called evolutionists and they believe that people are evolving to eat plastic scott speedman does a big exhibition exposition drop if you will telling us that humans are now evolving to eat our industrial waste and how perfect is that they're evolving to like make what we to eat what we make now yeah um so that's happening there but is this group he, that believes humans are evolving to eat plastic yeah he says he says that but that group they have all had a surgery to be able to digest plastic right Yes, they have, but I think their theory is that like their bodies are moving towards this naturally. It's not like they took the body from scratch and from scratch and created a surgery that would allow them to digest plastic. It was like some of the stuff is already there, and there are these people who are uh, have AES accelerated evolution syndrome who grow these new organs, like Saul. Speedman's kind of theory is hey you let these things grow don't cut them out of you because it's not just new organs they're eventually going to create an entire new system like a nervous system or digestive system an entire new system in your body for processing plastic Mm -hmm. and he thinks that's where it's going you need the surgery to assist you but he believes his son is an example of the future a boy who was born with the ability to digest plastic without the assistance of surgery. Once they open the boy up and see the organs have already been tattooed, meaning that they were placed in there, he's had surgery, we learn that Tidbit did this, Kristen Stewart's character, and that was the National Organ Registry sabotaging this whole thing mm-hmm. so that they could not prove to the world that a boy had actually evolved to eat plastic. And that was at the request of the cops, I think, right? Yeah, this this police division called New Vice. So I think New Vice and the regist- organ registration registry have the same mission to make sure that like the evolutionists don't succeed. They don't want human bodies evolving. They want people to stay the same, essentially. They don't believe in this evolution, or if they do, they want to hush it up. Mm, okay. They don't want this to be the future of mankind for whatever reason. Right, right. Oh, interesting. And then, so how do you tie that to the the two women who worked as the technicians? So what I, th- how I tie it back, and I'm not sure if this is right, is that these two women work for this company, this presumably giant corporation who makes these machines that help people like Vigo with his health. And the reason he's in such poor health is because his body needs plastic. He just doesn't know it yet. So he eats that bar at the end and feels finally nourished. He's got to sit in this digestion chair because it's so hard for him to just digest his food. And finally, at the end of the movie, he realizes, I need to be eating plastic. Mm. But if the whole world knew this, if everyone who had accelerated evolution syndrome knew this, there wouldn't be any need for these products to support his health for him to sit in and digest. So I think this corporation has a vested interest in keeping this hush hush that these oh. people actually just need to have a surgery so that they can eat plastic. Yeah. And that's really this, the solution for their health issues. Oh, holy shit. So it's almost like a, like they're like a pharmaceutical company almost. That's like running the world. 
uh, right. by creating these like yeah biotechnology and and so the commentary here is that they potentially are in cahoots like they run the police and run um, obviously like these uh, local government type of agencies uh, to kind of keep these things under wrap for their benefit is that is that where you think he was going with that perhaps or it could just be kind of the way things happen now where certain government motivations and corporate motivations kind of align whether they have the exact same goal or just parallel goals like yeah you know there there are certain politics of wanting the humans to stay the same and not evolve and that happens to coincide with this company's interest that people keep buying their products so yeah they may not necessarily be directly in cahoots but they are working with the same goals in mind yeah damn yeah that that's a really interesting way to tie those like three or four groups together that makes sense i have not had the time i wish i had to research this movie and look at other analysis of it so i have no idea if that's what, yeah what the story really means i was trying to find some theories out there most people i think uh, agree with that end thing that like yeah when he eats that plastic it's his body like finally being at peace uh, because he's eating what he's like supposed to be eating and so uh, I think there's commentary here that like we're using these devices and things in, in life or like medicines or whatever could be driven by uh, government or other other groups who want to like maintain the status quo or something. And uh, yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense to uh, around like what he's trying to bring together there. That's, that's a cool Yeah, part. I mean, one thing Coop said in the Discord server is how rich this movie is with themes and, and commentary and the more you like pry into it the more you can discover and i keep i feel like i've already done that a couple times just in this conversation so that wasn't even something i had fully put together in my mind until just now when you said that like yeah this could be commentary on how we spend thousands of dollars on various technologies to help us be healthy when really we're just not eating the right thing <laughs> yeah plastics yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I know, man. Th- this movie was was full of commentary. I, I feel like uh, art, rebellion, sexualism. Um, did you read uh, a theory connecting the story to like uh, the, the transgender and uh, like binary, non-binary type um, themes? I did. I didn't read too much about it, but I know Cronenberg kind of mentioned. It sounded like he he didn't write the script with this in mind, but here, like twenty years later, these concepts kind of ring more true with rights regarding. Yeah, trans bodies and women's bodies, and and the government having control of your body. Right, exactly. To what degree can they do that? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's actually a pretty timely film. It like intersects with so many things in modern life, doesn't it? Right, and then like the trans thing really does have a through line because Vigo is rejecting who he is. He's re- rejecting his own biology the whole movie, and then at the end. When he finally accepts it, it brings tears to his eyes, and it's the first time he's, yeah, you know, felt himself. You could read it that way. Right, right, yeah, yeah. That's that's a powerful scene. I think uh, a lot of people in the theater were like, "Well, what the fuck was that?" Uh, but I, I, I thought it was a pretty fitting ending. I think so too. And then um, Leia Seydoux's character um, Caprice was filming it too, so the hopelessness of this boy's autopsy being sabotaged and Scott Speedman's mission dying when scott speedman died it's kind of there's a flicker of hope at the end because they are performance artists and she has filmed this oh. and theoretically she'll share that film and get the word out that ah. that's the famous Saul tensor yep is finally at peace because he ate plastic 
Gotcha. And that's why it's in black and white because it's from the viewpoint of the camera of that she's camera. holding. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Uh, interesting yeah. story there. And then, uh, yeah, what do you make of that ship at the beginning? So not only is there a ship at the beginning, but in the clandestine meetings between Saul Tensor and the the cop guy from New Vice, mm-hmm. they seem to be huddled around this like scrapyard that has a lot of old abandoned boats in it. Right. And I think in this new future, if if plastics are so prominent and, and industrial waste is such a big deal, right now in our current timeline, we already have a giant hunk of plastic in the ocean. Yeah. So I'm wondering if maybe in this future, the ocean is just choked out with plastic and ships are stranded. Yeah, they're abandoned. They are no longer useful as a mode of transportation or transport. Got it. Yeah. Like the opposite of the movie Waterworld, basically. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The the world, I mean, the water is still there, but it's, it cannot be navigated by ships anymore. So yeah, ships are irrelevant. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That that makes sense. Good call. I think the reason everything looks so impoverished and scuzzy is because people can't get infections anymore, so they don't bother cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds silly, but like every surface everywhere in this movie was just utterly filthy. Yeah, yeah. It was a really interesting Except for Saul's Place. Yeah, Saul's Place was nice. But yeah, there's kind of like a grimy feel to like a lot of the other settings. Um, And like, uh, yeah, every time he'd go out, he was like covered and like they'd yeah go to people's places and it'd be kind of like a... Uh, like a hole in the wall or something. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't tell if that was just like artists and like uh, whatever, but um, that that's a good point that if you don't have infections, then maybe sanitization isn't like top of the list for you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah we, I don't know. I don't I, know I, for I, sure, but that's, that was my take. Yeah, and it was also really interesting because you know this is in the future, but I, I love like the fact they don't really like tell you much about like like how far in the future is this, like what has happened really. Um, it really kind of leaves like it's a really unique setting um, and like it, it is like very low tech like not only are you like what, what you said is like you know it's, it's not very clean but you also like you don't see cars you don't see like uh, um, like computers or phones or anything like the technology in this film is like very limited to like just those like kind of biotech things which is really interesting yeah and isn't this biotech stuff really weird it's like yeah it's not like the technology that we think of with all metal and squares yeah. and hardened edges. It's like soft, mushy. Yeah. It, it looks like, like human organ, like a remote control looks like a human organ. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's its own aesthetic. It's kind of crazy. And uh, as extends, he did that a lot. It oh, was, really? That was definitely stuff from that movie. Oh, like that kind of style of... Gadgets and things. Oh, technology, yeah. Technology, like this yeah. very human, like, living thing was a piece of technology. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a cool, cool imagery there. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah, what did you think overall of the movie? I really liked it, and I like it more the more I think and talk about it. I'd like to see it again. I think it would make more sense and feel less clustered. Um I think we'd probably appreciate more things, too, going through a second time with a better yeah. understanding of, of the movie. Yeah. Um, the score was awesome. I love the score. And I thought the performances were great. My one complaint is that there's so much going on here that I think they had to have a lot of exposition drops. Like, mm. Speedman gives the whole thing about plastic. They have to, like, explain to us that nobody gets infections anymore, that people don't feel pain anymore. I think they did a lot of 
telling, not showing. Like they didn't visually explain the world that much, although they kind of did with the boats and the dirt. But they had to spell a lot of things out, which on the one hand, I'm glad they did because I would have been totally and utterly lost, which I was already a little lost anyway. I think it's just the complexity of the world he's created here necessitated a lot of exposition, which got a little clunky after a while. Was that something that you noticed or thought about? Uh, it's interesting. I, I think there's a balance there because I feel like typically in a movie like this where it takes place in this future setting, you start out with like some kind of script which like tells you like the year is XX, this has happened to humanity, and like these things happened. Um, so I, I kind of appreciate that they didn't do that and made you navigate your way through it. But then, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, you're right. There are like scenes like when they're at the National Re- Organ Registry or when they're talking to Scott Speedman where like those lines kind of feel forced in because as a viewer, you do, you do need those. And like there isn't like a way. Well, there, there is a way. They, I mean, they, they could have got, somehow made you aware of that without like forcing those lines in, I guess. Right. So, right. Yeah. 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 I wonder. I wonder if it could have been done a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how you, how you wrote that into like casual conversation. Hey, by the way, have you noticed <laughs> yeah. I've had a fever in like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's true. Uh that that's a good point. And then and then it sounds like you weren't a huge fan of Kristen Stewart's acting as well. You know, I couldn't decide and hearing you talk more about it made me decide I am a fan. And that's not the first time he's put weird tonal stuff like that in his movies, so mm-hmm. I dig it. I, I'm I'm on board with it. Cool, cool. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I, I agree, man. I I, I thought uh, sound design and, and like the visuals and all. I, I thought all the performances were really well done and really interesting and innovative concept. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, do you feel like it took on too much around themes? Like I had like art, uh, human evolution, uh, sexuality, um, government propaganda, the scientific community. Um, you had so many things going on here. Like, do you did you feel like it was too packed? That's a really good question because there was there were many times in my viewing experience where I was just like so focused on taking in all the information and trying to get my bearings that I wasn't always it's not that I wasn't enjoying the experience but it was a bit laborious sometimes. Mm. Yeah. But that being said, now that I understand the movie more, yeah, I don't think there was too much packed in. I, I kind of like once you understand the plot, the mm-hmm. mechanics of the plot, if I do even understand the mechanics of the plot, then everything else does kind of come naturally. Yeah. Um, the themes and everything just blossom naturally from the plot. Yeah. What do you think? Too packed? Or you enjoy that richness? Uh, I, I liked the complexity of all the things that touched on. I, you know, I, I think I, I was pretty down on like some of the storylines not tying out. Like the there was like a, a pageant going on that he got the zipper made for or yeah, the cop, like why he was undercover. But yeah, I think in this conversation and in your theory of like how these elements tie together and might be driving the force behind like ultimately ending uh, this rebellion that was coming up with the plastic eaters, uh, that kind of makes it a little more concrete and easier to grasp onto. So I, I think similar to you, like while I was watching it, I was trying to figure out what the metaphor was or what it was tying to, and that was kind of uh, complicating things. But now that like these things kind of tie out, uh, it makes a lot more sense. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a really cool way to bring a lot of elements together really well. Yeah, I think so too. I think, yeah, there's definitely stuff with the art world, like a theme of literally opening yourself up and ripping out your insides for all to see. Like, yeah, that seems to be common imagery that artists use to describe what they're doing. Right. 
whether it's a bit hyperbolic or not can be debated, but you could certainly argue that someone like David Cronenberg does that, whether it's really himself that he's showing us or just some version of the world. Like Over the 50 years of filmmaking, he hasn't been shy about delving into these extreme ideas and concepts. So I was kind of wondering, is this a little bit of symbolism of him and his own artistic journey, like him opening himself up and showing us his insides and... yeah. Yeah, and, That's really re- cool. and rejecting yeah. who he is, and and then finally accepting himself, like right. Saul Tenser did. Like, for if you are airing your dirty laundry in public, and again, I'm not sure how much of what Cronenberg makes is really something that lives inside of him, or just some ideas that he has. But people are going to think certain things about you when you make so many disturbing movies that blend <laughs> sexuality, body horror, violence. Yeah you wonder if you would ever second guess yourself or or become self-conscious. So I couldn't help but wonder if Sal Tenser's journey is a journey that Cronenberg has been on. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there are a lot of questions I have about Cronenberg and what he's into. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's one thing I really appreciated too is I, the two main characters of this felt like really grounded as like artists who are just like trying to come to terms with like the art they're making or like the struggle to create it and like seek out like new ways. Like he would like go to another exhibit and like kind of critique it or something or like she would go and like think about how she wants to evolve as an artist. And I just thought like a lot of that felt like so real as like, uh, like, yeah, it's probably like, uh, th- that is kind of like how you probably feel as an artist and what you, like this path you're on like self-discovery. So yeah, I, th- I think you're right. There's probably a lot of Cronenberg in there. I think so. And he said, he called it a gentle satire of today's art world, but He's a gentle because he feels he participates in that. And yeah. did you know he sold NFTs, like NFT photos of his kidney stones? Oh my God. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. That so, I mean, sense, that is yeah. a, like a literal example. I think maybe he did it as a part, like le- leading up to this movie. Like, I don't know if he would have done it if this movie wasn't coming out, but he's yeah. kind of literally offering up his insides as art for sale. Yeah, wow, that's that's crazy. Uh, yeah, I wonder how much they went for. Um, it made me think about, I don't remember where this was, I want to say somewhere in Europe, uh, a few years ago there was like an exposition, and I want to say it was like organs or like body parts or something. Do, do you remember any of this? I don't sound? remember that. I know there's like the bodies exhibit, which is literally like, I guess it is organs and stuff, it's real human bodies. Oh yeah, I guess that's what I'm talking about probably. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. Oh, you have where? Uh, I think I saw it in New York. This was like 10 or 15 years ago. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just like I had a lot to say about like what art is today and uh, like, yeah, what you can, co- like what people call art um, and con- where, where like consent falls into that. And just really interesting to hear like the different perspectives in this film. Uh, just felt yeah. really relevant. Do you think, and I, I, I feel like this could be a hot button thing or... I don't know. I I never know how to navigate discussions about these things. But could you look, if in this world, people evolving to eat plastic is what's best for the future of humanity, and let's say there is some trans symbolism in this movie, is homosexuality or transsexuality a... Could you argue or look at that as a step in human evolution to stop making so many humans and overrunning the planet? 
as the population is getting overpopulated, like that's kind of like how people are evolving, huh? Right. Right. Yeah. Could that be a step in evolution, or is it right? Kind of repulsive to even purport that idea. I feel like that gets into weird reverse eugenics type talk. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I. I think that's definitely a theme that's brought up here. Is uh, I. Don't, I don't know. Like, do you. Do you ever feel like? I mean, we never. We never really talk. I mean, we always talk about like how uh, evolution happened, and I know you have some school people who don't believe in it, and then a lot of people who do. Um, but we never talk about like constant, like current evolu- evolution in the body, do we? I don't feel like that's something that's ever brought up. Yeah, not much. And and people who know more about this or are closer to these issues, feel free to let us know your opinions on stuff like this and and write us. But. I think that the general feeling is humanity is so young, like modern humans, that we haven't started to evolve yet. Like we couldn't. It hasn't been enough time. I don't know if that's for sure or not. I feel like I read that once. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's the, the idea I've always had too. It's like it, you have too short of time. But the whole idea of like evolution is a, it's not like a, isn't like I assume like it's something that's always happening, um, for like a very like incremental like small scale. So I, I don't think like things ever like I can't imagine species ever stop evolving, could they? Right. I think it's just that it's happening so incrementally that we wouldn't notice until yeah. far Generations. from now. But I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You got, you got human life. Uh, we've like added like so many years on. I know we like contribute that all to medical advances and science, but who knows? Right. Uh, right. I mean, we're kind of we're toying with evolution. We're we're kind of avoiding it negating it and yeah yeah i know i know assisting it it's it's strange stuff yeah it's it's complex but no i i I think uh you know i I think there could be some validity in what you're talking about about like uh especially with like the trends um the 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 trends recently in in like these talks around identity and gender and stuff could could be an answer to something right yep uh well cool anything else or do you want to jump to the ratings I think let's jump to the ratings. All right. Well, zero to five. How many belly? How many instances of uh, belly oral sex would you give this? I give it four instances of belly oral sex. Nice. Um, I think it was mostly a very good movie. It was. I mean, technically, everything was executed very well. Like this was well shot, well edited, uh, movie well acted, a little dense. A little hard to understand, a little exposition heavy at times, so I'm not going five. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's something I could appreciate. I think the the biggest strong suit is the complexity of the themes and how deep you can go and how many different things you could read into this, whether they're intended or not. So I think that's saying a lot. I think it's a really great movie for him to make for his first movie in eight years. I think yeah. it's kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. And on, like, a very minimal budget. It sounds like they shot this all in, like, one location. So, uh, yeah, yeah. pretty pretty amazing. Good script and good yeah. story. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think I was right there with you when I walked out of the film. I came down a little bit because I thought there were a lot of loose ends there. But then you and I talked and uh, just now, and I feel like a lot of that makes a lot more sense to me. But my biggest complaint on this film is I don't feel like it was true horror. Like, it didn't... Uh, feel like yeah you had body horror obviously but it didn't you weren't really scared throughout the film and i wonder if like they could have strengthened that by putting like a main character in a more vulnerable or scarier uh 
or a more risky uh, environment. Um, were, were, do you think this counts as horror after watching it? Yeah, I think just the body horror element is enough to call it a horror movie. But yeah, body horror movies don't necessarily follow the traditional arc of a horror movie. So yeah, you're not mm. necessarily scared. People may not be in acute danger all the time. Yeah. I do still think it's a horror movie, but yeah, we, as you were saying before we recorded, a lot of the movies we talk about are in the horror bucket, but they are not what, let's say an outsider would think of a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like this one. And when my parents think horror movie, they they don't think of a movie like this. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I thought like The Brood uh, had a, a lot more horror elements, like, like that, that was a combination of body horror. And even like video drone, I mean, uh, or video drone. Like, doesn't this compared to like those films feel less horror compared to those? Yeah, but I would argue that yeah, I think the brood is is maybe one of his most purely horror. But mm-hmm. things like the fly, things like video drone, things like scanners, they kind of they're kind of like an outlier. They're not right dead center in horror. They're they're kind of not quite. Okay. But I'd still put them in that bucket. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, I hope in the future films he leans a little bit more uh, brood manner style because I, I definitely appreciate that combination. But yeah, otherwise, I, I thought it was a, a great film and done really well. I uh, agree with yeah. all your points there. Yeah, I think he's got one more film he's trying to make, at least oh. one more. But man, 79 years old, so <laughs> that's that's great that he's still making them. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, that's fun. fun one to watch in theaters. Uh, great production value. Uh, glad we got out to see that one. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be streaming relatively soon. I, uh, it, was, it was wrapping up in theaters out here after a few weeks, so I'm sure it's uh, probably a month or two away from streaming. Yeah, things seem to be coming to streaming faster than ever these days, and yeah, this didn't have a long theatrical run, or at least it doesn't look like it's going to, so yeah, hopefully yeah. soon. Alright. Cool. Well, anything else? That's it. Alright, well that's it is that's gonna be it for our discussion on crimes of the future. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's gonna help other people find our show, and we appreciate the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord, where we're chatting up with other horror fans and listeners. You can find the link to that on our website. Our logo is by Amy May Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. Until next time, if you're finding your sex life is getting a little stale and not that enjoyable, try spicing things up by bringing a knife into the bedroom and cutting open some insights. (laughs) It sounds like it works for Cronenberg, maybe. Open your mind. Every organ can be a sex organ. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Why limit yourself to the one? (laughs) 